Hello, my lovely people, and welcome to The Fletcher Files, a Murder, She Wrote podcast with your host, Monty. This week, we will be talking about Christopher Bundy died on a Sunday. (laughs) Okay. Oh, goodness. Season two, episode 19, first aired March 30th, 1986. And the IMDb summary reads, Jessica must find out the truth when the ruthless owner of a periodical is murdered. I don't know if that's descriptive or not, but let's get into it. (laughs) So first we'll talk about the returners and then the whole cast, and then we'll get right into this episode. So first we have Bert Convey. We will remember him as Peter Brill, the Broadway producer and piano player and musical creator from The Murder of Sherlock Holmes. In this episode, he is Christopher Bundy, and this is his last appearance in the Murder, She Wrote universe. The next person we have is Carol Lawrence. We will remember her as Candace Drake or Mrs. Drake from Birds of a Feather. So she was the wife of the club owner in Birds of a Feather. We then have Alex Rocco, and we will remember him as Ernie Santini from Tough Guys Don't Die. He is one of the many people who have unfortunately punched Harry McGraw in the eye, okay, (laughs) and caused some other physical injuries, okay. He was a construction company owner who was building a boat for his wife and not actually having an affair. So yes, Ernie Santini. In this episode, he plays Bert Yardley. And this is also his last appearance in the Murder, She Wrote universe. And finally, we have Eric Server, who we will remember as Ned O'Brien, in We're Off to Kill the Wizard. He was the security guard of the O'Brien Security Company. And in this episode, he plays Pete Morgan, also a security guard. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And this is his last appearance in the Murder, She Wrote universe. So now let's get into the entire cast. We have, of course, Christopher Bundy, We have Detective Lieutenant Costanzo. We have Antonio D'Argento, Vanessa D'Argento, Rachel D'Argento, Everett Jensen, Millicent Moore, Chester Harrison, and of course, Grady Fletcher. Okay. (laughs) Oh, let's see if he does any better in this episode than he's done in any of the previous ones? Mm, Probably not. So there's that. (laughs) Let's get into it. So we open up in an office. We can hear someone speaking in the background and we're looking at glamour shots of beautiful women in bikinis or just headshots. I don't remember if it's the same woman in all of them, but I think it's several different women. The camera then pans across the table and we now see the desk and behind it is Christopher Bundy and he has an amazing 
view of Manhattan. Just breathtaking. And of course, his back is to it because what work would you get done if you were staring at uh, the city for the entirety of the day? And he's on the phone and he's speaking with Chester Harrison and basically telling him it's Friday night. You have until Sunday at 8 p.m. to pay your loan in full or I'll own your publishing house. So there's that. So he hangs up the phone and Bert comes in to the office. Now, just a side note, okay? The character's name is Bert. The actor who's playing Christopher Bundy, his real name is Bert. I wonder how strange it was for him to be calling somebody else by his name. You know, because it's Bert, right? (laughs) It's not John, which you're like, there's a lot of Johns or Mike or Tom or Bill, William. Those are names that a lot of men have. So I could see an actor with that name. Of course, we had the Battle of the Chrises, right? So I could see that, but his name is Bert. And I just thought that was interesting that they decided to name a character that works for him as Bert. So (laughs) you have an unusual name and now you have to say it at all times during this episode because that's what they decided to name the character. Anyway, let's get back to it. (laughs) So Bert, the character, walks in and he is Christopher's... um, executive assistant, also his security guard, probably head of security. He carries a gun. It's a thing. And Bert is telling him that the Fletcher woman has called six times today. And Christopher's like, listen, I've spoken to the lawyers. Her contract has her locked in. I'm not even concerned about it. And the scene ends. The next scene, we're in the car, and it's Jessica and Grady in his very nice convertible. How does he afford this? If he can't keep a job, I don't know. I'm going to assume that Jessica pays for it. Let's just be honest. Anyway, so they are heading to Poughkeepsie because Jessica wants to visit some friends. She's going to spend the weekend there, but Grady has agreed to come with her. On the way up, they are going to stop by Christopher Bundy's house to have it out with him, not Grady, of course, because Grady is one of his employees. Surprise, surprise. But okay, he did not apply and start working for a shady company. The story is he was working for Literary Lines Monthly magazine as an accountant, of course. And he was able to work out a deal for Jessica to have her first short story published in it. However, before Jessica's story could be published, Literary Lines Monthly was bought by Christopher Bundy. And he is known for girly magazines, as Jessica put it. Maybe your Playboy or your Hustler, or maybe it's just like a bikini magazine situation and not full on lady bits, you know? but risque, risque at the very least. And so Jessica is devastated. She's like, I cannot have my work associated with that man. So he has not been returning her calls. So she's like, I'm about to pull up. (laughs) That is bold. She's just going to pop by his house, 
have a face-to-face, like you're going to hear me. Since you don't want to answer the telephone, I'm going to come face-to-face. And so Grady's like, uh, A, I don't want to lose my job because you know how difficult it is for me to keep a job in the first place. And two, what if he's not there? And Jessica's like, fret not, my nephew. If he's not there on the way back up, we will just try again. So (laughs) this is crazy. So Grady is still concerned about losing his job. He's like, I am just an accountant. How did I allow my aunt to get me in this? But I think that he's going with her because he feels bad that because of yet again, yet again, he has gotten her mixed up in some shady situation because he was trying to help her out in the writing department. So I am assuming that he's the one who approached her about doing this or connected her with the people at Literary Lines magazine. But this doesn't seem like something that Jessica was like, oh, Grady, you work for this magazine as an accountant. See if you can, you know, put me in contact with them. But of course, you know, she loves Grady, but he has definitely gotten gotten her into some messes. They arrive at the house and Jensen, the butler, brings them in the house and tells them that Mr. Bundy is due back from the city any minute now. So as they're standing there waiting, a helicopter is being is heard in the air and you see it. He is coming. Christopher Bundy is coming from Manhattan via helicopter to his home. I'm assuming it's in upstate New York because Poughkeepsie is in upstate New York. So it must be higher than Poughkeepsie because Jessica, well, no, no, Grady's probably, she probably went to Manhattan and Grady is driving her up from Manhattan to Poughkeepsie, which doesn't make sense because why wouldn't she have just come down from Maine to Poughkeepsie as opposed to going, she must've been visiting Grady for a period of time before she's now going to visit her friends and then go home. Anyway, so it is, in fact, Christopher Bundy coming in on a helicopter. And there's a young woman, we find out Millicent, her name is Millicent, who was taking bikini photos. It was a professional photo shot. And Grady, who has literally 10 minutes ago said, you know what? It didn't work out with Cynthia. I jump into things too quickly. It's love at first sight. And then I'm committed. And This time, I'm taking my time from here on forward before I fall head over heels. He sees this beautiful blonde woman in a bathing suit looking absolutely amazing and quintessential 80s. However, her makeup was very light. So not very 80s makeup, definitely 80s hair and bikini, but beautiful young woman. And he's smitten. And Jessica's like, yeah, that lasted Mm, 10 minutes. Okay. So anyway, Millicent is running up to or hobbling up to 
Christopher because she's complaining about the fact that the stones around the pool are so hot that they've blistered the bottom of her feet. So he's like, with the money I pay you, you can get some ointment. Like, why are you even bothering me? I don't care. I pay you too much money to have to deal with this nonsense. So as he's walking, he he shakes Jessica's hand. He's like, oh, it's great to see you again and whatever. And she's like, I'm Jessica Fletcher. He stops in his tracks, turns around and is like, oh, it's an honor to meet you. And, you know, what are you doing here? <laughs> And she's like, if you had answered my calls, I wouldn't have to have just dropped in unannounced. And he's like, no, it's fine. She's like, listen, let's just have a quick conversation and I can get out of your hair. I got plans. He's like, no, we can have a nice long conversation. Like, I just have some business to finish up. Uh, Bert, hey, can you show them around, introduce them to the family? To the family, okay? (laughs) And we'll meet back up once I'm finished work. I, I, this blows my mind. Like, I understand that Jessica is famous, right? But this woman just showed up at your house. Your butler let her in, okay? Her and her nephew, who is an employee of one of the companies that you just purchased, but still, like, just let them in the house. And you're like, oh, look at the property, get a nice tour situation and meet my family. Like you don't necessarily know this lady and there are two strangers just on your property and you're like, stay, it's fine. Like you have security cameras and security for a reason. This is crazy. Anyway, so Bert does as he's asked to do and he takes them around the property. I believe the first stop is the croquet court field whichever so we meet Rachel who is Christopher's sister so she's D'Argento her daughter Vanessa and her son Antonio who is videotaping this for whatever reason and after she meets them Millicent comes hobbling up again. I I feel bad for her because it seems like her feet are jacked up. And Vanessa asks Jessica if she wants a drink. So they go off to have a drink. Um, Jessica's requesting ginger ale. Vanessa reveals that she can only drink ginger ale, although she doesn't like it. However, her doctors told her that if she had anything else or if she I'm assuming if she didn't stop drinking that her liver would just give out so that's sad because the girl looks like she's 23 she's had a hard life I'm assuming this is that's terrible so the next scene we're in Christopher Bundy's home office and he's showing Jessica a bunch of first editions that he has and she's like oh wow Actually, they're in the library. I take that back. They're in the library. And she's like, oh, you read an awful lot of books. And he's like, no, I don't actually. I just collect first editions because they're a great investment. They're better than gold. And she's like, "Uh, okay, I'll take your word for it. So they go to sit down. There's a desk in the library. And Jessica goes to sit down and she has to put her hand up because the sun is blinding. So 
Christopher is like, oh, yeah, sorry. The afternoon sun is crazy here. Let me close the blinds. Is that better? She says, yes. So he knows the deal. He's like, listen, I understand. I have a reputation. I now own this magazine. You don't want your name associated with this magazine. I get it, but you're under contract. And she's like, there has to be a solution to this. So he's like, listen, I will call my attorneys in the morning, see if there's something we can work out. So Jessica's like, cool, I got to go. All right, there's people waiting for me in Poughkeepsie. And he's like, no, 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 spend the night. And she's like, no, why would I do that? So he starts to flatter her. Like, I thought you were an independent woman. And, you know, I don't, are you afraid that you'll get to know me and that'll change what you think about me? I thought you were an independent thinker and, you know, give me the opportunity to show you who I really am, whatever. And she was like, "Um, that's not going to work. So I'm going to go. And he's like, well, okay, wait. Okay, wait. Let's let's talk about this logically. If you spend the night, then you will be here in the morning when I call my attorneys. She's like, all right, fine. I will call my friends and tell them that I will be there tomorrow. Fine. So Jessica asks to use the phone. And Christopher's like, yes, you can use the one right here. Not a problem. So she looks up and she sees a camera, a surveillance camera. And she's like, uh, I can have take this phone call. I can make this phone call alone. Uh, camera, hello. He's like, oh, no, no, no. It's for security. It's picture only. And no, there's none in the bedroom. So Jessica's still suspicious. So you know she wasn't going to say anything crazy on that phone. <laughs> Okay. So the next scene, we're at dinner and it's Christopher Bundy, Rachel, Vanessa, Antonio, Millicent, Bert, Jessica, and Grady. While they're sitting down to dinner, Jensen walks up to the door and says, there's a Chester Harrison at the door before he can even get door out real good. Chester Harrison comes barging into the dining room and he's like, you bastard. It'll be a cold day in Hades before you get my publishing company. And Christopher gets up. He's like, let's go into the den and have a conversation like gentlemen. He's like, that'll be hard for you to do. <laughs> so Then Harrison looks around and he sees all of these people looking at him. And I think he, he definitely sees Jessica and automatically recognizes her. And turns around to then walk with Christopher to another room. And (laughs) he's still like, get off me, get off me, don't touch me. But that he really said a cold day in Hades, not in hell. Now, I don't know if it was because of the censors that he couldn't say hell, but that was funny to me. But I love some Robert Stack. So there's that. Okay. His facial expression did not change at all, at all. You couldn't tell if he was just real, real mad, regular mad, okay, or what. But he called him a bastard and he meant it. He meant that, okay? So after dinner, Harrison is still there. Chester Harrison, but I'm going to call him Harrison, is still there. And he goes into the library where Jessica is. She's looking for a book. And he's like, oh, 
Mrs. Fletcher, I don't know if you remember me. And she's like, yes, we met at a Houston book fair. I was surprised to see you. And she was like, uh, that's mutual. Like, I guess we are both crossing swords with the same person. So she's like, what happened? Like, why are you here? Yeah, I hear that you said something about your publishing company. What's the deal? And so he's about to tell her and she's like, we should talk with our backs to that camera over there because she assumed that what I want to keep calling him Peter Brill that's terrible (laughs) what Christopher Bundy said was true that there's no sound however he lied surprise there is sound and we see in the security booth or room security room with all the cameras that there is full sound now I don't know if the security guard has the ability to choose which camera he can hear or if that's the only one that has sound. That wasn't discussed. I'm just wondering. So Harrison says that he borrowed heavily. I believe he was purchasing wine. I think he was collecting wine. And Christopher Bundy bought all his notes Right, he was not borrowing from Bundy, but Bundy is like eating up businesses. That's what he's doing. He buys businesses. Apparently, he either he bought the loan company or he just bought the loans. And of course, now Harrison's in over his head and he used his publishing company as he publishes a magazine, at least one. We find out later. So he used his publishing company as collateral and now it's coming due. He was trying to get an extension at the time that Bundy purchased either the loans or the loan company. So he did not give him that extension and refused to do so. And of course, it's because he wanted the publishing company. So it makes sense if Bundy purchased just Harrison's loans because that was probably the cheapest way to get control of the publishing house. And to add insult to injury, he wanted Harrison to stay on as a figurehead so they could use his name and reputation, but Christopher Bundy would be the one who was controlling everything. And that just didn't sit right with Harrison. And that's what he was fighting against. So Jessica's like, no, 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 that's not your only options. Why don't you hire a great lawyer and tie him up in court for years on end? And he's like, you know what? You're right. I have to fight for this company. It's my heart. Yes, I'm going to do it. Thank you, Jessica. This is probably going to be the first night in months that I've been able to actually get some sleep and rest. My question is, how is he affording an attorney if he's so severely in debt that he can't save his publishing house? He said that he was borrowing heavily and he needed an extension. And it doesn't sound like he was trying to work out a payment plan with Bundy. So... Where he getting money for a lawyer? Especially if you're talking about a great lawyer. Okay. <laughs> At minimum, it would be $500 an hour easily. 
And unless they think they're going to win it and are willing to wait for the payout at the end, because Christopher Bundy has probably millions upon millions upon tens of millions of dollars. So actually, you know what, maybe a lawyer would take it if they believed that they could win in the end and have Christopher Bundy pay legal fees or at least get Harrison enough money that he could then pay their legal fees, which of course they would take off the top of any settlement. But yeah, no, Jessica, that's not actually an option for someone in his financial straits. So the next scene, we're outside and Jessica is on her daily jog, you know, and she comes up, comes running up to the tennis court where we see Christopher Bundy and Vanessa have just finished playing on the tennis court. And, you know, he's like, all right, I'm just going to get showered. We'll have breakfast and then we'll call my lawyers. So she's like, okay, great. So she's standing there with Vanessa and they're talking about the cameras and Vanessa's like, listen, I don't feel comfortable, but I feel safe. I know that I am safe here at the house, but I'm uncomfortable because of the cameras, which is understandable because, yeah, like we're just family. It would be different if it was only in, you know what? He has to have it in all these places. You know why? Because he's just randomly asking people to stay overnight. This man, <laughs> okay, <laughs> hold up a second. So you allow Jessica and Grady to stay. Now, Grady is an employee by way of you purchasing the magazine. But you don't know if he's crazy. You don't know if Jessica is actually the one murdering these people and framing other people. So she, you shouldn't have her in your house. You're underestimating her. <laughs> you just invite her to stay and meet your family. And then... Chester Harrison, who's like, I'll see you in hell before you have my publishing company. You're going to have him spend the night too? Are you serious? Like you're asking to be murdered. You really are. And if this is your usual MO, I can see why you need cameras everywhere and a security guard and an armed assistant. That's crazy. Who does that? Who does that? And these people are just roaming around your house just free and clear. That's that's stupid. <laughs> stupid. Anyway, and what happens? He ends up being murdered. Uh, duh. Okay. Anyway, so the next scene, we are in the camera room and Jessica's looking around and there's no security guard in there. But about 30 seconds later, Pete Morgan, the security guard, comes in. He was just getting coffee And he's like, yeah, basically I spend my entire day here, except if I have to go to the bathroom, I'm assuming, or get food, right? Or I'm getting coffee. And he's like, it's pretty quiet on Sunday. So, you know, it's not really, I can run out to get coffee and stuff like that. Probably from the kitchen, you know. And it's interesting that they don't seem to have a wait staff or we don't see them. I'll put it this way. We don't see any other staff than Jensen. And I don't think he's the one who's cooking this food. <laughs> okay, so they don't have um, a maid or a cook or something like that that could have brought the security guard his coffee so that he doesn't have to take his eyes off of the cameras. Okay, that seems 
Like, he got too much money to not have a full staff of people. Anyway, so they're watching the cameras, and they see Vanessa in the library. And Pete makes the comment that, oh, that's like her second home. She's always in there. And they see her knock over some books and a dish of candy and go to pick it up. And he's like, oh, look, she's making a mess. Then they hear a gunshot. And they go running out. And I don't remember if Pete looked at the camera to see where the shot had come from or if they just ran out into the hallway. But they run out to the bottom of the stairs. So in the foyer or it's more like a lobby as big as that house is. And they see Christopher Bundy at the top of the curved staircase. And he's looking shocked. And then all of a sudden he falls and tumbles all the way down to the bottom of the stairs. They're in shock. The security guard checks him. Now the security guard doesn't say he's dead. Like everybody then comes running in from different directions. And Bert takes over. He pulls a gun. Like this is how we know he has a gun. He pulls a gun and he's like hurting people around. He tells the security guard to call the guy at the gate to lock down the property and start searching. He then looks up at Jensen, who's like, what's going on here? And he's like, what are you waiting for? I'm like, what instructions did you give him? You're yelling at Jensen. And I'm like, you didn't tell him to do anything. He just then disappears. (laughs) Like, was he also supposed to check the property? He's the butler. He's not security. Anyway, he herds everyone into the living room because Antonio's like, mom, I'll take you to your room. And he's like, no, everyone has to stay together, which I agree. He grabs up Antonio. He's like, we don't know who did this. Until we find out who did this, we got to stay together. I'm like, "Mm, okay, you know what? I appreciate you handling the situation like that. Not with a gunpoint situation, but okay, I get it. So the next scene, we're in the den where everybody is sitting. The gun is now put away, thankfully. And Vanessa, who appears to maybe have had a sip of alcohol that she shouldn't have had because she's real loose right now. And she's like, everybody is happy that he's dead. It could have been any one of us. We all have our reasons. And her mom's like, Vanessa, shut up. (laughs) Vanessa's like, oh, Let's start with you, mom. Two husbands that you didn't even get to know because Uncle Christopher, and she's like, she shuts her down at that point. And I'm assuming they ran, Christopher ran both of them off. And we'll find out more about that a little later. So now everyone is talking about their alibis. Antonio says that he was playing tennis with Millicent and they both heard the shot. Rachel says she was in the dining room. Vanessa says she was taking a walk in the garden and Jessica's like, no, you were in the library. And she's like, no, I wasn't. You're mistaken. She's like, no, the security guard and I saw you on the camera in the library. You knocked over some books and some candy. She's like, oh, you mean at the time of the actual shot? Uh, Yeah, because I went for a walk in the garden and then I went into the library. So yeah. Yeah, I'm like, what? We'll get back to this. I'm going to try to remember to get back to this and why this conversation is really stupid. 
Okay, we're going to get back to that after we're done with this episode. Bert then says, I know who did it. It was Harrison. He just fled out of here right after the shot. So he's the one who did it. We're going to find him. That's that on that, right? Then he, he, I don't know if he got notified that the police were there. It must've been. I think the security guard or someone came up to him and told him. And he's like, who called the police? And everybody's looking at each other and looking at each other. I'm like, so you weren't supposed to call the police? There's a whole murdered man in, <laughs> in the house. That's not suspicious. But I guess Bert thought he was going to solve it and kill whoever it was who killed his friend employer and then what i'm confused at how he thought this was going to work out was he then going to turn them over to the police and the police weren't going to have questions about how y'all destroyed a crime scene yeah i don't know how he thought this was going to work out because you definitely couldn't hide the fact that he was dead they he ain't think this through he he must have just been in shock and was not thinking this through so while the police are roaming around and investigating we meet Detective Lieutenant Greco. He's in charge. He's like, yeah, get a close-up of his face. I want people to be able to recognize who it is. When I tell you that's disgusting, like not only insensitive, but disgusting. Like, are you serious? You're trying to make a name off this case? That's the vibe I'm getting with that comment. So anyway, Grady is kind of like trying to figure out what he's supposed to be doing. He's walking around. He then looks into this room And he sees Antonio and Rachel, his mom, whispering. And he's like, oh, okay, and walks away. But Antonio comes walking towards him. Now, I thought he was going to just slam the door because it was a private conversation, but he doesn't. Antonio comes down to the hallway. He's like, Grady, Grady, listen, I need two things. One, I need you to get me the books ASAP. And I need you to contact our lawyers. And Grady's like, one, I have no idea who your lawyers are. And two, don't you think it's a little quick to be trying to get the books? To which Antonio's like, listen, you know, what you do for us in these next few hours and days really will determine your future with my organization. And he's like, your organization? He's like, my mother and I, our organization. And so then the camera pans over. Why is Christopher Bundy's dead body still at the bottom of the stairs? And he's talking about, get me the books and call the lawyers. This is my organization. It's not even that the body isn't cold yet. The body is still being looked over at the crime scene. And you're talking about this 10 feet away from your uncle's dead body. Even Grady off top is like, this is inappropriate on every level. Okay, (laughs) please let me leave. Um, Just please let me walk away because this is terrible. So the next scene, we're outside and it's Jessica and Grady. They're walking the grounds and... Jessica found out some information from Vanessa that Antonio's father, who was Rachel's first husband, was a fortune hunter and only married her for her money. 
So one day, Christopher sends some of his associates, red thugs, to pay him a visit. And about two weeks later, he was found floating in a river. And this is interesting. So Christopher Bundy is actually like a gangster. Like he, he's a gangster. He may have a suit and a helicopter in this beautiful house and girly magazines and purchases many, many companies as opposed to selling drugs. But he is a gangster nonetheless. Jessica then says, Rachel's second husband, Vanessa's father, committed suicide after Christopher Bundy refused to help him out of a financial predicament. So, yeah, that's terrible. And also, Grady is like, well, we know it's not Harrison. And she's like, "Uh, I can't say for sure that it's not Harrison. I don't know him well enough to rule him out, which is hilarious because in every other episode, she will not know somebody has only laid eyes on them for three seconds and like they are not the murderer. So (laughs) I think it's interesting that she's like, you know what? I can't rule him out. So she's not going to the mat for Chester Harrison. So the next scene We're in the house. We have Detective Lieutenant Greco and Bert. And the lieutenant's like, no one saw anything. This man died in a house full of people. And Bert's like, listen, no one saw anything because he was shot in a blind spot, in a camera blind spot. So no, but I bet you, Lieutenant and your police officers, just drove right on past Harrison as he was fleeing the scene, having murdered Christopher Bundy. And the lieutenant's like, eh, calm down. We have an APB out for him, okay? Calm down. At this point, Harrison walks in the door. Like, hey, how you doing? Where is the perimeter for this house? People just walking in. Don't he have security as well as police presence? He just walk on into the crime scene like it's nothing. The lieutenant's like, I need to speak with you. (laughs) It takes Harrison to the side. Bert and Jessica are now standing together in the foyer. And Bert is like, it was him. I know it's him because... I encouraged him, quote unquote, to go along with the program before he got hurt. And Jessica's like, so you threatened him? He's like, if that's how he took it, then yes. (laughs) So Jessica's like, why would he do that though? Like I spoke with him too when he had come to terms with what he was planning to do. Bert then said, well, before he walked away from me last night, he said, Someday, someone will have the nerve to do something about that man. And I believe he thought he was the man who was going to do it. And that's why he shot Christopher Bundy in the back. Regardless, Harrison is a dead man. If the cops don't get him, I will. And the fact is, Bert and Christopher Bundy have been associates for many, many years And the same way that 
in Murder at the Oasis from season one, Lou, the security detail, right, was so distraught at the murder of Johnny Shannon he was ready to murder Johnny Shannon's son, okay? Because <laughs> he was convinced that that was the person who murdered Johnny. So very, very similar situation where the there's a close relationship, even though it's an employer-employee, a close relationship between the murdered victim and their security person or assistant. So the next scene, Jessica and Grady are upstairs in Harrison's guest room. So this is the room that Christopher Bundy had put Harrison in, which is literally next door to his own master bedroom suite. Now this room is palatial. Okay, it is gaudy as I don't know what. But it's 1986, so this was high fashion, okay? This was decor. (laughs) There were statues and green marble. Like, they were doing something on this set. Anyway, so Jessica's like, there's no direct line of sight between the room and Christopher Bundy's room. But then, as Grady's looking around, he finds a second door to the bathroom And it leads directly into the hallway and a direct line of sight for a perfect shot to the back as soon as Christopher Bundy came out of his room. So now Jessica is still like, oh, Harrison definitely could have done it at this point because he had the vantage point to get the drop on Christopher Bundy. My question is, why would you put someone who is extremely upset with you in a bedroom next to yours. I don't understand. Like, no, it didn't have direct access, but he could have kicked in your French doors leading to your bedroom suite and just shot you. Like, this is not safe at all. Yeah, they would have caught it on camera, but then you'd still be dead. What's the point of that? Not only that, but there's probably a blind spot in front of Christopher Bundy's bedroom so that there's absolutely no chance that someone could record who's going in or out. So terrible, like just really terrible planning. And what's the point of security if you're just letting randos who are mad at you stay in your house Especially when there's a blind spot where they can get the drop on you right as you're coming out of your bedroom or busting into your bedroom and murdering murdering you there. I don't know. He obviously spent more time on the decor than he did on actually making effective security decisions. And seeing as Pete Morgan's last employer... The O'Brien security system (laughs) also resulted in the murder of someone they were supposed to protect, you know, that being Horatio Baldwin. So yeah, there's that. Um, Maybe that should have been a sign. So the next scene, we're outside with Jessica and Detective Lieutenant Greco. 
And Jessica notes that the butler was acting strange a few minutes before the gunshot. And so Lieutenant Greco is like, so you're saying the butler did it? The butler did it? Mystery writer, your imagination is really taking you too far left. And the fact is the only person who could have done it is someone who did not have an alibi. So there you go. Harrison doesn't have an alibi and he fled the scene immediately after the gunshot was heard. So it was him. Not going to lie. It does not look good for Harrison. I don't think that the lieutenant is jumping to conclusions. I think everything is lining up for it to be Harrison. So as they're talking and Jessica is trying to convince him to continue to look and not just stop on Harrison, another officer walks up and he tells them that the gun was recovered at the bottom of the laundry chute. So someone must have dropped it down there as they, the murderer, dropped it down there as they ran out of the house. So Detective Lieutenant Greco is like, all right, I'm going to have it checked for prints. Like maybe it'll have the butler's prints on it. And Jessica's like, um, the killer would be an idiot if they disposed of the gun with their fingerprints on it. I'm like, mm, she's exactly right, actually. They would have taken it off site if they were going to leave their fingerprints on it. Clearly, if they were leaving it at the scene, being the house period, it was not going to have any traces of the actual murderer on it. So as they're still talking about this, Harrison is being taken into custody and Jessica's just like, I cannot even believe this. And so the lieutenant and the second vehicle that Harrison is now in leave the property. The next scene, we're inside and Rachel is looking out the window and watching Jessica and Grady just walking around the property. Bert is on the phone clearly with the attorneys and he gets off and he's like, well, he left a few dollars for me and the kids, meaning his niece and nephew, but everything else goes to you, Rachel. You get the whole kit and caboodle. So she has this smile creep up on her face. She's very pleased with this. So the next scene, we're outside with Jessica and Grady. And they're, yes, yeah, still walking around the property. And they see Jensen taking photos of documents in an office. So they walk in. Jessica confronts him from the doorway. So I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a safe distance. Unless he has a gun, then you're in for it. And he reveals that he is an IRS agent and that he's the one who called the police. He identified himself to Lieutenant Greco once they were on scene as an IRS agent who was working undercover at the home. And so Grady's like, um, you know, I've only been working for him for a few months. And Jensen is like, listen, no, we know you're clean as well as the magazine. This is one of the few enterprises that Bundy had that was clean. And what he probably meant was he hadn't gotten a chance to dirty it up or launder money through it as yet. So 
Jessica and Grady then leave and of course promise not to say anything. Jessica's still like, I don't know what's going on here. I let's let's still work on this. So she sends Grady to the precinct to see if they there's any way they can help Harrison or if there's any updates. So Jessica then goes outside and she sees Vanessa, Antonio, and Millicent. And she starts confronting people, okay? Everyone's on French Street. Everybody can get this smoke, okay? She's like, Millicent, why were you asking about the will? And she's like, I was curious. She's like, you knew you weren't going to be in it. Was it to find out someone else's inheritance? Side note, that's exactly what it was about because she was going to try to see, all right, spoiler, she's messing around with Antonio, okay? They were not playing tennis. They were playing a different type of game, okay? (laughs) The horizontal type of game. Anyway, so she is trying to figure out if he's going to be worth her time now that the uncle is dead, okay? Is he going to take over the company and she should make this official? Is he going to be poor because, you know, his uncle gave the company to somebody else? What's the deal? That's why she was asking Grady all these questions. And then Antonio's like, why don't you just go to Poughkeepsie? Poughkeepsie is that way, you know, to the gate, make a left, make a right and get on the road. Goodbye. Vanessa's like, um, dude, that's rude. Okay, listen. So Jessica's like, why did you lie about being in the library? Vanessa's like, I was looking for a letter from someone I used to be close to a few days ago. And when I was looking for it a few days ago, I heard Uncle Christopher coming. So I hid it in a book. I don't remember what book it was. So that's why I was going through them the day of the murder. And Jessica's like, why did you lie? And she's like, listen, my mom is very much like my uncle and wants to direct the path of my life and tell me what to do and who to be with, etc. So I did not want to let her know that I had any contact with anyone not of her choosing. Jessica brings up the fact that Vanessa also lied about her brother, about seeing her brother and Millicent playing tennis. And they're like, what are you talking about? And Jessica's like, oh, so you were playing tennis less than 24 hours after your feet were blistered so bad that you could barely walk? Question mark. Now that's left in the air and everyone's looking a little bit dumbfounded as Bert comes out and says that the lady of the house wants to see Jessica immediately. And the other three who were out there breathe a sigh of relief. So in the library, Rachel and Jessica are talking. Rachel says that, listen, we're not going to run your story. Basically, you're released from your contract. Have a good life. And she also talks about Vanessa's father, her second husband, and says that he was weak, that both her and Vanessa blamed Christopher Bundy, well, her brother and uncle, right, for years about the suicide and not giving him the money and causing him to commit suicide, but that Rachel came to realize that it was not Christopher's fault, that it was in fact the husband's fault because he was weak and she cannot deal with having any weakness around her. 
So Jessica's like, uh, I feel sorry for you, okay? Because you sound like a terrible person now. Then Rachel proceeds to ask Jessica to leave. As soon as your nephew gets back, leave my property. And Jessica's just like, I have been, she didn't say this, but like I've been thrown out of much better places than this, okay? She turns around, she looks at Bert and he's like, mm, I guess so, ma'am. And she walks out. So as she's, as Jessica is walking out of the library into the foyer, Harrison walks in the door with Grady. He's been released. Grady's like, they just released him. I don't know. They just released him. <laughs> so I brought him here. And um, Harrison goes up to Rachel and she's like, what are you doing here? You can go too. And how dare you? And he's like, listen, you don't even know what my proposition is. I'm willing to give you what I wouldn't give your brother. My name, my reputation. I forget what the third thing was. So basically, he's willing to stay as a figurehead of the publishing house and allow Rachel to run it. As Christopher was going to do when the note was, the loan was due and Harrison would have been unable to pay it back. So he turns around and starts to walk away because Rachel is like, Bert, please take Mr. Harrison to the porch or deck, whatever she said. I will be outside in a few minutes. So as Harrison's passing Jessica, he says, I have no choice. The magazine is all I have. So Jessica and Grady proceed to walk out and leave with their stuff. And Grady's like, I can't believe we're leaving without figuring out what has happened. And she's like, listen, we got to go. Okay, like, I'm sorry we couldn't figure this out, but we were asked to leave. So let's GTFO. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so Jessica reaches in her bag and she sees that she still has one of the books from the library. And she's like, let me return it before they get an APB out on me for book napping. She walks into the library and she goes to put the book up and then she's blinded by the afternoon sun and has an epiphany. She goes outside. She tells Grady, go to the police station and get Lieutenant Greco. I don't feel comfortable using the phone here. It's probably bugs or I won't be able to use it, whatever. Please do that. I'll be okay. So Grady drives off. The next scene Grady is back and he is speaking with Vanessa and they're heading towards the camera room. And he's like, oh, my aunt was asking about the security system and how it works and whatever. So I think Vanessa was like, uh, wasn't she asked to leave? <laughs> As were you? Anyway, so they get down there and they're looking at the cameras. And of course they see Jessica in the library and Vanessa's like, what is she doing in the library? And Grady's like, she said she was looking for something for a letter, some letter. And Vanessa's like, my letter? Grady's like, yeah, 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 that's what it was. So Vanessa's like, how dare she? And you see that Jessica's looking through books and then she's looking up and she puts a book down on the table, not looking, knocks over books and candy. And Vanessa's like, look, she's making a mess. As soon as she says mess, Jessica and Lieutenant Greco come walking into the camera room. And Vanessa's like, what is this? What's going on? 
So Jessica's like, this is how you did it. Okay. <laughs> They're now in the den with everybody. And Jessica breaks it down. And she says, "There, the wires from the camera to the playback machine, I think she means the VCR, that's how Jessica could be in two places at once. But Vanessa, you would know that, wouldn't you? Because that's what you did so that you could murder your uncle. So Jessica breaks it down. She says that, Probably two or three days before, clearly in the afternoon, Vanessa taped the activity in the library. On the morning of the murder, she hooked up the wires from the camera to the VCR and played that tape that she had made a few days before, went outside and up the rear stairs which were outside the view of the cameras. She waited until Harrison left his room, snuck in, went through the bathroom, through the back door, which led into the hallway, waited there with the gun for Christopher Bundy, her uncle, to walk out of his bedroom because she had a direct line of sight from that vantage point. Once he did, she shot him in the back as he stepped out towards the top of the stairs. After he was shot, she ran back into the bathroom, wiped off the gun, went through the room, dropped the gun down the laundry chute, back out the back door, down the back stairs, into the library, removed the wires, because nobody would be watching the cameras, they're all going to be at her uncle trying to see what happened, removed the wires, taped over the incriminating tape and went, dropped the books and the candy. So if anyone checked, it would look like what they saw on the camera, then ran around back and came in to where everybody else was. So Vanessa's like, that's all great. Your imagination's amazing. Prove it. And so Jessica's like, I accept that challenge. Pete, what exactly did you see on in the library on the day of Mr. Bundy's death? Anyway, long story short, there was the bright afternoon sun lighting up the entirety of the scene on the video. She then asked Lieutenant Greco, what was the time of death? He said 10 a.m. Jessica's like, it would have been impossible for that much sunlight to have been in the room at 10 o'clock in the morning because the windows face the west side. So there's no direct sunlight in the morning. There you go. So (laughs) that was enough to make Vanessa confess. So Vanessa blames her uncle for her father's suicide. She's like, he was a very, he wasn't weak. He was just a very sensitive man. He understood her. He always had time for her. He listened to her. He was everything that her mother and her uncle were not. And her uncle refused to help him and he committed suicide. So 
she then is like, mother, don't look at me like that. I only did what you didn't have the courage to do. My only regret is that I waited as long as I did. And I'm like, that's deep. That is really deep. Wow. So final scene here. We're outside and Jessica and Grady are leaving. I think Jessica may still be in the house at this point. Millicent comes up to apologize to Grady for coming on to him because she wanted to throw Christopher Bundy off the fact that she was actually messing with his nephew. And Grady wasn't trying to hear any of it, which I agree. Good for him for being strong and not being like, oh, okay, well, now since he's poor, can we work something out? So she she leaves. Well, actually, no, sorry, that was earlier. So now they're leaving. Harrison comes out and... Grady's like, oh, I'm really sorry that I can't give you a ride. It's a two-seater. Like, what are we going to do? Harrison's like, no, it's fine. I have a ride. Um, I've gotten my magazine back. Life is great. We then see a car pull up. I do not remember the model, but something very sporty and very, very red. Beautiful. A T-top at that. And it's Millicent. And she's the one who's giving Harrison a ride. She was like, I have reservations for two at Vincenzo. Let's go. So he's like, gotta go. Bye. Dinner. It's nothing. It's fine. I'm like, sir, sir, she is trying to bag her a rich man. Okay. You're clearly stable again. But if you're going to have fun, have fun. Y'all are consenting adults. Do you. Just make sure she's not the beneficiary of your will. Okay, do that much for me. Do that much for me. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, so as they're standing out there, Jessica and Grady, the IRS comes up in force. So this is probably the U.S. Marshals or the FBI or something like that are coming up in their nondescript black vehicles. And Jensen hops out and he's like, yeah, so I decided to call in the Calvary before Rachel had an opportunity to manipulate the books. So they're like, oh, okay, guess Grady doesn't have a job. (laughs) So (laughs) Jessica's like, yeah, you know what? I'm Grady. I meant to talk to you about your choices of employer. So yet again, yet again, Grady has gotten and lost a girlfriend. Well, they weren't really a girlfriend, boyfriend situation. It was just some fun. But he was smitten and got dumped. Okay, I don't even know if you could get dumped if you're not in a real relationship, right? But got dumped and lost his job because his employer was no longer going to exist because of crime. So poor Grady, he cannot catch a break. But let's not fret too long. He does meet Donna and they get married and they're a perfect match. So there is hope for him in this series. So we just have to hold out. We just have to hold out and pray for Grady because Oh my goodness, he was set himself on fire, okay? In a ocean full of water, okay? (laughs) All right, so one last thing. I wanted to go back to the conversation between 
Vanessa and Jessica regarding her alibi, saying that she was walking in the garden, but in fact, she was in the library. What I don't understand is why she lied about that. Like that was her alibi, was that she was on, seen on camera in the library. Why would you lie and say that you were walking in the garden? Now, I don't know if perhaps the actress forgot her line and said she was walking in the garden and they just played it off and kept it in. Or if the writers actually wrote that because it did not make any sense to lie about that. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing that she needed to corroborate Antonio and Millicent's alibi. And that's why she said that she was walking in the garden. But there really wasn't a point because they were each other's alibi and Millicent didn't have anything to gain by lying about that. When she actually didn't say anything, she literally stayed silent. So she actually did not lie. She just didn't correct the lie, okay? Because she had actually been with Antonio. They were just having sex as opposed to playing tennis. So their alibi was actually in intact the lie and the actual truth would have had them not being the murderer but I don't know because the security guard and Jessica were her alibi the whole point was that she would be seen in the library at the time of the murder why even talk about walking in the garden that made no sense to me it didn't seem to make sense to anybody else there That's why I'm confused if that was actually written in. And if so, why? Or if it was an ad lib and for some reason they kept it in. I don't know. Both are terrible. So (laughs) I was like, why lie? You know, you set up this whole scam and scheme to murder your uncle and give yourself an alibi and you you going in here and you're videotaping and then you want the books and the candy to look exactly the same as it did a few days ago when you actually did it on tape. But then you're going to say, screw that alibi that I know that they saw and say I was walking in the garden. Like, what was the point of setting that up? If you were just going to say, hey... Tony, I need you to do me a solid. Say that you saw me walking in the garden and I'll say that you and Millicent were playing tennis. All right, got you, sis. Okay, got you, bro. And that's that. Like, why have this whole elaborate thing if you were going to lie about it? Because what what was gained from that? Oh, I didn't want my mother to know that I was looking for a letter that was from someone I used to be close with. And then there's nothing that follows it up. Nothing, nothing. I, that, a mess, a mess. Anyway, uh, but other than that, okay. A great episode. I'm not gonna lie. I did enjoy it. Um, poor Grady, really, really. But I, he does find happiness. So I can get through these episodes with him. He doesn't become any more competent as the series goes on. He does have his moments. He does have his moments. But honestly, thank God for his wife, Donna. Well, girlfriend, fiance, then wife, Donna, because she's the, 
she's the one who's making sure that he stays alive all of these times. Like she, she really is the only reason he has not set himself on fire. But um, <laughs> we'll get to them once she comes into the series. But um, anyway, so that's that on that. Definitely a watchable episode, although not one of my top five. But next week, we will be talking about Menace, anyone? And I'm going to tell you up front, okay, that this is an episode that I don't care for. Not There is one area, and we will talk about it when we get to it. Well, actually, two things. Actually, two things. There is an issue about how they treat mental health. And there's also... Um, one of the detectives, spoiler, sorry, not sorry. One of the detectives is murdered. And those two things really make this episode, even though I love Van Johnson and Brian Cranston, because of course. But yeah, no, that those two things are really difficult. And that's why I don't watch this episode when it comes on, but I will watch it. I will review it. And just a heads up that those two things are an issue for me. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, so until next Sunday at 5 p.m., anywhere you listen to podcast, you can find me on Instagram at the Fletcher Files Pod on Instagram on my Facebook page, The Fletcher Files Pod on Facebook, as well as, of course, The Fletcher Files Pod on Patreon, where I have a lot of amazing content, as well as early release of this podcast. So there is that. Anyway, until next week, have an amazing week. Bye.